Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome to The Power Within You. I am Coach C, Cecil John Howell, here today with Coach Curtis Madden II, and I would like to welcome you to the segment, The Good Father. You and I. True that, true that. Um, as you all know, the power within you is here to shine a light for our young people, for young men and young women, as well as for up-and-coming parents who are raising the next generation. Within that context, The Good Father is a series of interviews with fathers about the positive power of fatherhood. And within that context, I have the pleasure of sharing some time with my brother, Curtis. Cecil, thank you for inviting me. I'd like to welcome you. It's a pleasure to be uh, involved uh, and, and share um, what, what it feels like to be a good, a good father. Right. And so, um, for those of us, um, in the audience who, who aren't familiar with you, if you could take some time to introduce yourself and give a brief, uh, backgrounder, your professional, personal, and, um, coaching success. Sure. Sure. Um, again, my name is Curtis Ray Madden II. Uh, I'm the oldest of two, uh, sons born to Curtis Madden Sr. and, uh, baby Ruth Madden. I'm from Denison, Texas. I graduated from Denison High School in 1987, earned through hard work and, and sacrifice a sac- uh, scholarship to play for Kansas State University. Uh, I had the honor of playing for uh, legendary coach Bill Snyder. Also, a group of young men that were there with me who were affectionately called the Foundation helped turn the, the losingest uh, football program in history uh, into into a winner. And you, you grew uh, up with both parents, both parents at home. Grew up with both parents in the home. My dad was. Uh, a, a strong influence on how my life turned out, as well as my mother. Right. And, um, and how, my, how was the, how was it organized? Your, your home? the dynamic of it was such that my mom worked in corporate America, and my dad was uh, he he held a variety of jobs, but he always had food coming in the house. Um, he was a strong personality. Um, he was in the, the mortuary science field, okay. which was the predominant thing in, in my life growing up. I always wanted to be a part of that with him because some of my most fondest memories with him was during that time we shared uh, working in the funeral home. Okay. And, um, and it, it had an impact on me, which led me uh, down the educational path that I pursued. Upon graduating from Kansas State, I attended Dallas Institute of Funeral Service and graduated in the top the top five percent of my class there okay. and worked my way into the funeral industry okay. in, in that regard but also having a degree in life sciences which is biology and chemistry and, and other self-disciplines um, I was able to parlay that into an opportunity to get into corporate America. Yeah, I'm, um, I worked for Johnson & Johnson okay. for about 15 years, and I started out on the production floor just to kind of learn the business from the lowest level and work my way up into management. I was a supervisor for a couple of years, and then I got into production planning and, and uh, was very successful with that and parlayed that into an opportunity to be a worldwide demand forecast manager. Mm -hmm. So it allowed me to use a lot of different disciplines. I learned statistical forecasting analyses. Um, I'm also a certified uh, process excellence, green belt Six Sigma, um, which is all in the discipline of, of, uh, you know, it it wraps all those different analyses and and measurement um, process tools to improve something. 
and so it's allowed me to apply that to different areas of my life. Uh, being a football player, uh, that's always in you. And so uh, having stepped away from it for a while, my two best friends wanted us to get into coaching. And so mm -hmm. we started doing that with the boys club and the passion reignited uh, with with that activity. And I've basically been a football coach for the last, I'd say, 26, 28 years. OK, um, started out coaching at that level and have worked my way up to now. I'm a co-head coach. Um, at a local high school here in Dana Point. Okay. The, uh, what have been some of your 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 biggest successes as a coach? You can well, just list them off. Well, let me go back. Um, as far as a player, my one of my big successes was being a part of the first ever state championship at my high school. Okay. Um, me myself as a player, I was the seventh player to rush for over a thousand yards in 81 years at my high school. Since then, more have come through. And then again, being a part of K-State, being able to turn what Sports Illustrated called Futility U into uh, a perennial tw top 25 school. Um, that's a huge uh, chunk on my resume, I believe. As a coach, um, I coached eight years at Mission Viejo High School, where we won um, every year that I was there, we won a league championship. I was a uh, running back coach there, uh, coached with some great guys. Uh, the, the biggest name is uh, Bob Johnson, who is a local legend here in Southern California. Uh, we've we uh, also won CIF uh, two times during that time and also a state championship. Okay. And I stepped away for a few years because my son, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that further on, he achieved a high degree of success and I wanted to follow him at the next level. Okay. And um, I missed coaching mm -hmm. and had an opportunity to come back to, um, uh, to Dana Hills High School. Okay. And the program was in a very bad state and uh, have been able to help rebuild it. And so uh, using my life lessons, uh, my expertise in uh, corporate America and my own strong will, we've been able to uh, back up. Yeah, we're, we're working. We're in the process of, of reviving the Phoenix. I want to go back a little little bit further um, into your childhood in terms of how um, you know your your formative years have shaped your 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 adult years. Sure. Um, and so, what what were the roles of, of your mom and dad in the home, and and how did how did the role of your father affect your understanding of fatherhood? My father was a, a very special man. He his role was to, um, as most fathers, set the direction. Um, be a strong influence to my brother and myself, uh, to be the partner with my mother, who was a strong woman. And, you know, my dad was, his personality was such that um, he never found a stranger. He would give you the shirt off his back. But the work ethic that he set in me by far outweighs um, a lot of things that I've been, in, I've, I've encountered during the course of my life. My dad was the type of guy where if, when his feet hit the ground in the morning, you know, the devil and the angels are all like, oh, Lord, this man is up. He's always busy. He always had something going on. So he worked for the railroad. He worked for um, some other companies, but he always had a side business. And if it was he was passionate about our church. So one of my first jobs was to cut the grass at the church. Mm -hmm. And then I would How cut. How old were you? I was, oh my gosh, I think I was probably seven or eight. And I'm out there with my dad. He has a lawnmower and I have one. Right. And we're doing that. And then uh, it was cut my grandparents' yard. 
And then was that um, paid work or was that just work that you had to do because your dad said you had to do it? It was work that I had to do. I, I sometimes I would get paid by other family members, mm -hmm. but I grew up in Texas mm -hmm. and whatever your dad tells you to do, you do it. Okay. You know, you don't do it because you expect to get paid. Money you know, is a bonus. You know, <laughs> look, you got a roof over your head and you're eating my groceries. That, that's right. that's. You know, right, I tell right. you to do something, you do it. Right. So, um, you know, my dad did that. He, he, you know, grass cutting was the foundation for almost everything that I did as a youth growing up. And then my dad also did um, um, concrete work. He, you know, if you needed a patio or a driveway or something like that, that's what he would do. Or, you know, if you needed to, to build a house, he. He and my uncle Ralph would would pour the foundation and then they would help frame the house and then they would hang the sheetrock. And so all during that, all my formative years, right. I cut grass. I learned how to pour cement. I learned how to frame a house. I learned how to tape in bed, hang sheetrock, you know, so uh, that foundation of a, being a builder right. was implanted in your mind. From, from early childhood yeah and exactly to this day you continue to build you're mm -hmm. rebuilding this team but you're mm -hmm. building nonetheless exactly exactly so I mean that that and then my father had the type of personality where like I said he never met a stranger and it helped me develop my I don't know if you would say it my, my charm or charisma or what I learned how to be able to talk to people and I think that's where the the funeral director um, aided me mm -hmm. because you speak to people in their most difficult right, moment right, right. and so learning how to overcome that hesitancy mm -hmm. and be able to engage with people in that regard that helped develop my personality and so you had mentioned that your your mom was in corporate America and your dad had um, maybe a few uh, careers or a few um, businesses that he ran mm -hmm. did his um, so she was kind of more stable it, it sounds yes. like okay yes. and so did did her ability to earn income or his the diversity of his career did that affect his authority in the home or was that separate from it in other words if he earned more money did he have more authority if she earned more money did she have more authority or was it simply he the authority that he had was vested in his position as as the father in the home? now as a grown man yes and having spoken to my mother man, my father has since passed on um she has told me there were some situations where he he, he actually made more money than her, mm -hmm. and those were some of his happiest days. Mm -hmm. But me as a child, from my perspective at that time, mm -hmm. I never knew the difference. Okay. I never knew who made the most money. I didn't know how much money they made. Okay. My parents did a great job of making sure I never went without. I never knew a hungry, hungry day. You, I mean, you can look at me now and say, okay, well, we know you're not missing any meals. <laughs> but, but I never knew a hungry day. Yeah. I never went to bed with... Um, not knowing where my next meal would come from. Mm -hmm. I always had a roof over my head. I always had what I needed. My dad always wanted me to dress a particular way. He didn't want me to look like I was wearing rags or anything like mm -hmm. that. And he had a certain expectation. You'll, you'll keep your hair cut. He took me on a regular basis to do that. My first barber is a barber when I go back home. His name is Michael Braxton. He cuts my hair every time I come in town. He can remember when I would when I was a little kid coming from karate practice mm -hmm. the first time he cut my hair and you know my dad just had those those manly standards that that he helped imprint on me mm -hmm. and and they still exist today okay and so his authority in the home was not relative to his income outside no, of the home no okay you know he's 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 the husband my mom's the wife and it was more of a partnership you know I didn't 
I didn't always see, um, you know, everything being harmonious because, you know, you, when you're young, you have issues, and my family had their issues. Right, right. Um, that every, yeah, they have their challenges, but my parents were always they always showed me love, and and that was that was a beautiful thing. I mean, so from from your childhood, do you remember any? Are there any moments you know with your dad that stood out? Um, any lessons in particular that that you you can say that really shaped who who you are today in particular? There's there's so many, but I Give guess me three top ones. The the that without these moments with your father, that you would not be the man that you are today. I'm gonna try not to cry when I say this one, but I went to a Catholic school and. Um, they had this festival in May, and it was, you know, you had to bring flowers to the Blessed Mother uh, Mary, and and so we we had a farm in the country where uh, these little white tea roses were blooming, and I knew this 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 uh, mass was coming up, and so on a on a Thursday, I'm there with my grandfather, and I picked these tea roses and. I didn't have a big fancy vase to put it in and, and so I, I had a little can and put tin foil around it and I dressed it up and it looked it looked so ghetto. It looked I mean it looked <laughs> it looked it yeah. looked horrible. Yeah. And so I was I was uh, at dinner that night and I asked my mom because at the dinner table that was we you know, that was a fun time. I mean my brother, my mom, my dad and I, the four of us sitting there, that was where we would have different different conversations. Yeah, didn't you get every night? Every night. Okay. Every night. What about breakfast and lunch? No, nah, breakfast and lunch was different because um, we all scattered to the wind. Okay. I had to take my brother to school in the neighboring town, and okay. my mom, uh, she would get up early and leave because okay. that was why I would take my brother yeah, to school. But dinner was and then, but dinner we came together. Okay. It was it was it was our 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 venue to reconnect. Right. Right. So we had this this mask coming up and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Mom, can I get twenty five dollars so I can go buy a flower, a nice bouquet? Who's it for? Girl, are you buying it for me? What do you No, I'm, I'm going to take it over to uh, it's for for mass on Friday because, you know, it's, uh, you know, the blessed mother. She's like, I don't have twenty five dollars for that. I'm sorry. I'm working hard. This is that. You know, I'm like, OK, well, you sending me to this private school and you put me in this situation. I, you know, I want to. I, this is what I have to show. Well, you know, Jesus know your heart, and his mama do too, just like me. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. And my dad was like, "What is this?" And I told him, and he said, "When is it?" And I told him the time, and he was like, mm. "Now, my dad was, my dad never explained anything to me, okay. and just say, this is why you do it, mm-hmm. and that." And that impacted me. And my son actually told me about this not not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But um, he never said another word about it. Mm-hmm. So I go to school on the day in question. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. And I'm I'm in tears, man. I'm like, I see all these other kids with these nice ro- red roses. Big, beautiful bouquets. And, and it's time, you know, um, the teacher tells us to get up and go. Mm-hmm. And... Right as we get ready to leave, because I'm embarrassed to pick this, these flowers up, mm-hmm. I see a I see a black man in a suit, and I see this. I was like, "What is, what is my that was my dad? What is daddy doing here?" And I look over, and he has this big, beautiful bouquet of flowers, mm-hmm. and apparently he had had a funeral service, 
and it was it was a flower that he told the family he said look if i leave this flower here the cemetery is going to throw it away but my son needs a bouquet of flowers um <clears throat> for uh service at his at his school is it okay for us to take it mm -hmm. and the family said yes absolutely he rushed from there and got to the school right at the moment when we were getting ready to leave to uh, to go to mass and that was that was one of the the first experiences where I realized what a, what a father was that you don't let your kid down mm -hmm. you when when your when your child needs something you uh, show up and <laughs> yeah. yeah that uh that was that was the first one of those and then I'll just share another one just for for time uh, expediency I wanted to leave Kansas State mm -hmm. while I, when I was there we we had lost my first two years we were we had, we were zero twenty one and one. You know I'm a Cornhusker, right? Huh? I went to school in Nebraska. Yeah, we almost beat you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, we uh, it, it was to the point where I was like, Dad, I want to leave. I had called other schools. Um, I had already got it set up to where if I left there, I was gonna be able to go to this certain school um in North Texas, where my fr one of my best friends was going. Mm. I was like, you know what? I just want to get back close to home. I, I hate this mm -hmm. losing. My dad was like, nope. You made the bed, you made the decision, you lay in it, you stick with it. You're not going to quit. I don't, I didn't raise a quitter. So I said, well, shh, I know how to fix this situation. I'll just flunk out. Mm -hmm. So I, <laughs> I stopped going to class. Took, I took an attitude. Man, I partied my behind off. Uh -huh. And so when I left um, at the semester break, I was like, Psst, deuces, I'm gone. Yeah. And um, I'm sitting at home having a good time, and we're at the dinner table, at, <laughs> get a phone call, and this gentleman named Burl Schweitzer uh, had he he had taken a liking to me, and um, he called my dad. He said, "Mr. Madden, you know, I'm just calling uh, to check on Curtis. You know, you know he, you know, I don't know if you've seen his report card, but he failed every class, and um, you know he he's in danger of losing his scholarship." And uh, he said, "But." But the good news is Curtis's honors classes that he took in high school were college credit. So he's actually a little further along than he realizes. But if you can get him back up here, we can get him signed up for um, for intercession, which is, you know, one, mm -hmm. you know, the classes in between the semester. Then during summer, uh, during spring break, he can take a week long class there. Um, he can take a full load. He can take 18 hours and then he'll take summer school. And if he takes six hours or eight hours during the summer, mm -hmm. then he'll be back on, on track. My dad said, we'll be there tomorrow. He hung up the phone. He said, Mr. Go pack your bag. We're on our way to Kansas State. I didn't say a word. So I'm thinking he's going to yell at me the whole eight hour drive up there. And he talks to me like a man. And we shared a lot of different things. And, you know, and how old were you? I was 18, 19 at the time. And uh, and I asked him, you know, during during the, the, the trip, I asked him, I said, hey, dad, why did you never tell me you were proud of me growing up? You know, I did all these great things. And, you know, I was a good kid and a good son. Why didn't you ever tell me you were proud of me? He said, I knew you wanted my approval. And if I had given it to you, you would have stopped. But as long as I kept pushing you, you would keep doing what you needed to do. And so we became best friends during that trip. Mm -hmm. And when I got to school, he talked to all the people we needed to. And then he said, take me to Oklahoma City. I dropped him off at my cousin's house and he flew back to Texas from there. And we talked all the time. My, my father was the type of man where my red shirt year,
he would drive all the way from Texas just to come watch me sit on the sideline as a, as a, and knowing I would never get on the field. And I asked him, Dad, why do you do that? You know I'm not going to play. He says, you're my son. You know, wherever, whatever you're doing, if I want to see you, I'm going to come see you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's huge. That imprinted on me. Right. So, you know, my dad. Years later, when your son is playing. Oh, my God. what you're doing. Dude, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad really, he didn't give me the procedure or the why, you know, or the if then else, the Boolean expression or whatever of how to do things. He would just show me. Okay. And it was more of do as I'm doing and it'll come to you as opposed to the generation now why are you doing this that you know people they want to ask their parents why you do certain things the need to understand the reasons why yes okay um okay um i want to talk to you a little bit about uh success and and how you define success in in the context of your life and the life of, of your your children so when you close your eyes at night or when you close your eyes from the final time on on this on this earth how will you look back at your life and and will you feel that you are successful and why what are the criteria that you use to judge whether or not you were successful for me success it it lies in how you you set your next generation or the subsequent generations up to have opportunities to achieve more than what you have um, my parents were successful because neither of them graduated from a four-year university mm-hmm. i did um, i feel i'm successful in that i have two children i have a beautiful daughter who's now a grown woman and i have a very handsome son and between those two i have three degrees um, i have two bachelor's degrees and a master's and other people's definition of what success is it's about how much money you have in the bank uh, that can that can be taken away quickly but i i challenge anyone you know to to do the exact same thing that i've done set a standard for your children you know make sure they get their education they understand what it means to to be a parent mm-hmm. and and know how to love not just your own family but love the people that are in your span of influence mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm a successful coach because I have co- I have I have young men that I've I've taught or I've coached that are doctors real estate moguls uh, lawyers uh, and they all reach back and they say coach thank you for what you did for me and I'm going to continue to do that until I take that that long nap uh, what what are some of the values um, that you will use to determine whether or not you're successful in life so if you you, know, you mentioned for example um, loving the community mm-hmm. that you're in mm-hmm. you mentioned mentoring um, what are some of the, the personal characteristics that you feel are integral to being a success you have to be selfless um, you you have to put the subject of your mentorship or the 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 type of leader you want to be you have to put their their needs before yours and that's a huge sacrifice that a lot of people aren't willing to make um, now is it are you sacrificing or are you being selfless to the point that is detrimental to your well-being and your health 
No, you 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 obviously have to to be smart about what you're doing. But I've made conscious decisions in my life that have cost me things that most people wouldn't want to do. Moving my family to California was one of the greatest things that I ever could have done. When I was working for Johnson and Johnson, I was promoted and they, they allowed me to work in Texas remotely. But they also said this is with the understanding that you're eventually going to need to come to California. I didn't want to uproot my kids in the middle of the school year. So they and they understood. But by but but looking at that time of my life, my grandparents, I still had grandparents that were alive during that time. And I was very close to them. I knew that if I moved to California, I would miss their last years on on this planet. And and that and that that's that was a that was a huge sacrifice. My core group of of friends and family, my network, my mother, my father, my brother, my two best friends, their families, my nucleus was there. And I had to step out on faith that by coming to California, my children would be exposed to a better educational system. Uh, they would be exposed to opportunities uh, to enrich their 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 whole experience as you know young people, and then the possibility of my daughter being able to um, to to go on to a, a nice college, uh, hopefully get a scholarship. My son being exposed to the right format because of his athleticism. Uh, being able to earn his himself a scholarship, I felt like it was greatly enhanced by moving here. Mm-hmm. Um, that cost me dearly doing that because mm-hmm. my grandparents died. I wasn't there. I missed those last few years. Um, to be successful, you you have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what uh, what role has um faith played in, in your success or is that is that integral to your success or is that I think it's very integral I mean you know you know without being preachy faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen you walk when you walk out on faith you know you walk you walk with your eyes up on God and whatever hap- whatever you're walking on your faith has to be able to hold you up and by me moving here to California that's exactly what it was it was a faith walk my wife was a strong enough partner to to have that same faith and um you know together we were able to uh put our children in the right in the right position so um you know definitely you've got to have that as a as a as a component he was a giant and i was just a kid i was always trying do everything he did I can still remember Every lesson he taught me Growing up, learning how